I'm Taylor Cranwell, and this is the Jackson City Social Club. doesn't love a little electric ukulele you're listening to touch the buffalo with their new song hardest four these guys are from arlington virginia i did mention them on an earlier podcast as an up-and-coming band in the area and i think if you guys got to check them out you truly like them they have a, a couple really cool songs i think i also mentioned another song by theirs called ring the bells i'm sorry sing the bells both of those songs are on heavy rotation with my iPhone when I'm working out and just hanging out around the house. On today's show, we have an interview with Kenny Tebow, the founder and CEO of Motoric FC. Motoric, which stands for the Eternal Drumbeat, plays in the Maryland Majors, which is an elite soccer league in the state of Maryland. Last season, Motoric finished mid-table in the second division of the Maryland Majors, and Kenny has been busy in the offseason trying to revamp the team to get them ready for this coming season with the hopes of being promoted to the first division where they can face the likes of Christos FC, best known for their deep run in the, I think, 2016 U.S. Open Cup where they ended up playing D.C. United in the fourth round and scoring a goal on them. As the show was recorded outside, please forgive the background noise of the cicadas and sometimes the air conditioning unit from the house next door. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Okay, so welcome, Kenny. Uh, nice to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to make it over to your house. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're set up out back on the deck uh, in a nice sort of warm summer afternoon yeah. in, in Alexandria, actually, or Springfield, or Franconia, I guess, as we just One talked about. Yeah, 22310. All right, so let's get down to it. Sure. In, in a tweet that I did about a month ago, I actually described uh, Motoric FC as an organic soccer movement. Right. So well, how would you describe your efforts right now or your or your your team um yeah i mean I, I don't know how much of a movement it is yet because we're, we're still kind of building our community um i'd say it's more like a one-man show <laughs> i'm kind with, of the with you the being the one man yeah i'm for... kind of the wizard of motoric pulling all the levers behind the curtain um but yeah we've we've definitely taken a mouse that roared approach so we've gotten a lot of uh, virtual attention um, but I think the next step for us will be to build a, a local community, you know, get more folks to our matches. Um, and in the meantime, you know, I, I always reach out and try to connect with other clubs. And I guess if you'd want to call us a movement in any way, it's just sort of my aspirations to help inspire and encourage other clubs to do what we're doing. Sure, sure. All right, well, let, let's just jump into this. And also, what, uh, why don't you give us a short history? I know you, you've, you've talked about this before in other, another podcast and some other yeah. uh, medium, uh, but just a short history of how this got started. Um, well, I just, I mean, ever since I've, I've become fascinated with lower uh, division football in America, um, you know, following clubs like Chattanooga, Detroit, seeing the excitement that they've created in their communities. I've always wanted to aspire to to do the same here in Alexandria, Northern Virginia. Um, although I kind of regret because for a few years my posture was more like an NPSL or bust mentality. Um, so that kind of put things off for a while. But over time, I, I just started started seeing other people just kind of throwing themselves into creating their clubs, and I decided one day it was actual. Actually, April Fool's Day was the exact day that Motorc was created, 2017. I just decided let's let's doodle a little logo, let's get a concept for a club and a community, and then let's just run with it. And for about, I'd say, like six months or so, it was basically just a concept, just an idea. Um, but then once we started contacting leagues and contacting players. Uh, then it became a reality. 
that that's cool. So, and, and how long did it sort of truly take to get it up and running as a team? So, I, I actually remember hearing about you a little bit from when I was talking to the Alexandria Soccer Association about an NPSL team as well, and they yeah. mentioned your name uh, as somebody who seemed to be trying to do something very similar. Right. And that's when I kind of heard about it. But but according to well, the gentleman I was talking, to, he said he didn't even think you had a team. You were just talking <laughs> about it at the time. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And, that's pretty true. And I think that's when I started kind of following you guys a bit, and yeah. looking and looking on Twitter and seeing your website and whatnot. So yeah, it was definitely initially it was definitely a concept because I, I'm kind of an aberration. Whereas most clubs, they're formed by a coach who already has his his own player pool. Uh, whether it's from youth clubs or from a high school or something like that. And then he takes that uh, player pool, creates his team, joins the league, and they're good to go. Me, I was coming as sort of an outsider. I hadn't had any experience before doing this. I, I was never a coach before. So basically I had an uphill climb because I was starting from scratch. And I even remember, you know, when, when Motorik was just a lot of hype, uh, social media hype. <laughs> um I, you know, I was getting reached out to by the UPSL and the Washington Premier League. And I remember a conversation I had initially with Ramon at the WPL where we were talking about Motorik possibly joining their league. And at one point he asked me, um, so how many players do you currently have? And I told him, basically, at this moment, we have zero. And uh, that initiated a big laugh fest. Um but then over time, because I had made so much noise, I started getting interest from players. Uh, one of our first players was Freddy Rodriguez, and he then helped kind of tap into his pool of players in Woodbridge. Um, then other players heard about us. So it was just kind of assembling players from various player pools around the area uh, who were interested in playing for us. And also, you know, there are a lot of guys who – Basically, they're they're on the fringes and they don't really they want an opportunity to play for a more quality elite amateur club. Um, so they w gravitated to us as well. We were kind of the alternative for guys who wanted to prove themselves, who maybe weren't sure. brought up in the elite academy system or playing college necessarily. Or yeah, or, I mean, we've I don't think we've ever really had. We had maybe one NCAA player in our camp. Um, generally, we get guys who might play for their uh, school clubs or, um, you know, not not necessarily rec, but not elite amateur, and they're just looking for the opportunity to try something more challenging. Sure. And then, so did you have any setbacks early on that maybe that, that said this is going to be much tougher than I thought it was? or? Um, yeah, just kind of freaking out with the realities of everything that's involved with putting a club together. Um you know, but over time, you, you learn the ropes. Uh, just the, the difficulties are, are dealing with the county. Um, in this area, there's a saturation of clubs, so you're always competing for talent. And now that you have, you know, UPSL and NPSL clubs moving in, it's even more um, challenging to maintain your top talent. Uh, so I, yeah, I'd say most, the, I mean, for me, the biggest challenge, because also for me, the biggest concern is winning and putting quality on the pitch. So the biggest challenge has been recruiting and maintaining high quality talent. I mean, that's what we're in the process of doing now over the summer as we prepare for the next fall season of the Maryland majors. Let's talk about the Maryland majors for a minute. So. I remember early on, I did see a tweet from you. I think it said something that you would looked around at other leagues, but the Maryland majors were sort of the league that seemed to be the best fit. So why why was that? Uh, well, first of all, I, I like their social media presence. I like that they were kind of outreaching because, you know, my initial idea was to build a community for us, but I didn't want to have to do that in a vacuum where there wasn't already attention for the league and, and for that community. Um, so I thought the Maryland majors might be ideal. Uh, also I, I thought it would be cool if we one day had a chance to face a legendary club like Christos FC. Yeah, and they are legendary. Yeah. In league competition. I mean, the WPL has a lot of legendary clubs too, like Yins United and such. Um, G and Hawks, I think. Yeah, them too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But and and this was also after Christos had made the the cup run. Um, had their standoff against DC United. Uh, so that was fresh in my mind as well. Sure. And then I also, you know, because I was new to building a roster and building a squad, and we had never really played competitively in a league before, so I didn't really have a good assessment of what level we were at. I liked that the Maryland Majors had a second division that we could start in. Right. So we could, um, you know, kind of test ourselves without having to face necessarily the toughest level of competition, but aspire to get there with our guys. Right. And that is neat. They do have a sort of established promotion relegation now Yeah, uh, for or any league. I know that's a, obviously a hot topic in the U.S., and we may touch on that later on in the, yeah, yeah. In the, in the interview here. And um, I think our first year in the Maryland Majors is proof that it's not a panacea because you got to earn that promotion. It's not like it's just handed to you on a silver platter and then you just move up. you still got to put in the hard work to get – the sort of squad that'll get you there. Sure, the quality's quality's pretty good, though. It sounds like I mean, from what I've seen. Yeah, very much so. Um, so this is your, you've done two seasons now with them. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, two. we started in the fall of 2018, and then we just wrapped up our spring 2019 season. Okay, and then have any sort of rivalries started out or started to to emerge with some of the teams you've been playing so far? You know, teams that, you know, take it a little more personally if they lose, and and you kind of. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a rivalry because so far we've faced them about four times and they've pretty much uh, kicked our butts. And also I'm very good friends with the, their manager, Carlos. But if I had to pick a big rival of um, Motoric FC or at least a club. Emerging that I find, rival, yeah. yeah very satisfying to mm -hmm. defeat. It's uh, Columbia FC. Columbia FC. Yeah. They've been the cream of the crop of the second division. And actually, I just saw that um, Maryland Majors expanded the first division, so sadly they will be moving Moved up. Moved up, right. Yeah. So. I saw that too, actually. Well, it's good for them, I guess. I mean, yeah. It's good for them, and, and maybe next year a Motorik will be up there. Well, now, yeah, know? now we got to earn get something to Yeah, you got something them. to get up to. Yeah. Um, the uh, – uh, so – your team is, I was gonna say, it's pretty international mm -hmm. um, in in terms of the amount of cultures that are on it, or, 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 yeah. or countries that are represented in some ways. Right. So, how many do you have? I mean, at this point, or especially with the newer team, um, I'd say we have at least fifteen different nationalities on our squad. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a natural reflection of this area, Fairfax County. It's very diverse. You have um, a good mix of. Uh, you know, first generation or recently arrived immigrants. So it's only natural that if you're dipping into the talent pool in this area, if you're really looking at the full breadth of the pool, you're going to get a diversity of cultures and, and backgrounds. And what kind? Well, I was going to say, what do you because of that? I, and this is a they have different soccer styles and cultures, obviously from different countries are coming from. Yeah. Does that does that does that help, or does it hinder in terms of? Sort of everyone's sort of trying to do their own thing, and they're not they're not gelling as a team because they're all sort of used to playing the way that their cultures were sort of raised playing soccer. Or no, I, I, I personally I think it's it's kind of overestimated this this whole difference between soccer cultures. I mean, mm -hmm. for me, from what I've witnessed from our players, it's it's more of an individual thing. Right. You know, it doesn't matter. You can't really predict based on their national background. If they're going to be a finesse player, if they're going to be a hard-nosed utility guy, if they're going to have a good work ethic, if they're going to, you know, it, it for me it's all individual. I can't really judge, and and the diversity, it's mostly just cosmetic, you know. When when we show up to training, our guys get along. There's no clicks. There's no difficulties in communicating with each other. Um, well, that was actually one of my questions: is is the communication they, they is there, right? They don't have. Yeah, no, it's it's never really. It's just something that we kind of brag about because it makes us look like a more cosmopolitan club, right? You know, we have all these international right. stars at Motorik, but uh, on the day to day operations, um, you know, guys from all different nationalities have stepped up as our leaders. Um, got everybody respects everybody, no matter where they're from. It, it, it's it's all depends on the individual and I guess their develop personal development, their personal training, what their coaches have kind of drilled into their heads, 
whatever their family's values are. Um, yeah, I, I don't think – I think it's kind of overrated. Okay. What about um, player retention? Yeah. So you've had, again, two seasons, and I know one of the things we chatted offline about one time is that you, you get these players, and some of them are, are probably pretty good and sought after, and they, they, they join your team for a little bit, and then suddenly they disappear to go to another team. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there it's this double-edged sword. When you get a talented player, you're you're excited that he might be able to contribute to your club, but then you're wondering, you know, when is somebody going to swoop in and take him? I mean, I've I've had debates with other clubs and other managers about whether there should be rules with the USASA in terms mm-hmm. of you know player movement and maybe. If a player registers with a club for one season, they're they're kind of tied to that club, right? Um, but a lot of other clubs disagree with that. Usually, the clubs that have the advantage in having the player's commitment, uh, they disagree with that. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's difficult. I mean, I I know it's still an amateur, it's still amateur level, but you do invest money in these players. I mean, uh, last summer I invested a lot in uh, us traveling. You know, we got sure. to play Atlantic City FC. I, I put everybody up in the Tropicana so we could have a nice bonding experience. Um, and you get connected with the players. So when other clubs, and, and I mean the clubs don't actively poach them, but, you know, the player, one player here is, oh, there's an opportunity right. here. And then maybe another. P- because they're looking out for their best interest. I mean, the yeah. player themselves are like, hey, I, I could play for this team, but a, maybe a better team from, you know, not too far away is suddenly interested in them or they have a connection. They're like, you know. Hey, I don't have any signed, real signed contract. And that's one of the things you talked about. It's a problem, right? You can't really sign these people yeah, exactly. to your team and hold them because you're not actually paying them anything. Yeah, I mean, within the Maryland majors, they do have rules where if a player's registered with one club, they can't register with another. And then maybe mid-season we have a quote-unquote transfer window where then players can move and such. But you don't have any protection if a player just suddenly wants to jump to a the local UPSL club or the local MPSL club. And and it's a big enticement. Although I often caution our players because it it could seem like a great opportunity, but I think in the end you're better off playing as a starter with us and getting a lot of match competition with right. us than you are ending up as a reserve on some yeah. higher level club. Right. And, and I've seen that too. I mean, we we had this one player. He he was amazing. I was ready to like build the whole attack around him, and then the next thing I know, he disappears. Um, to the Northern Virginia NPSL club. Right. And basically, you know, I kind of tracked... What he was up to. Yeah. Following, he wasn't playing, right? No, by the end of the season, basically, he could have played more NPSL competition with us and our friendlies than he did with them in their league play. So you got to really think about those things. And I also, I I feel very cautious because now you have these kind of scouts snooping around, looking to... Sure. Poach players or, yeah. or pull them up. Well, I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, every pro team has scouts that goes out and looks at lower team, lower tier teams, and are, are trying to find talent that hasn't been brought up properly yeah. or that could be, you know, snatched. But it's out. hard because you can't really vet these guys. You don't know what their sure. legitimacy is. You know, to me, a lot of these guys just seem like those shopping mall modeling agencies where they're just going to see what they can kind of suck out of the player, but they don't really have the player's best interest at heart. One of the things I, I actually, on my very first interview for the show here, I interviewed a, a gentleman, Christian Rodriguez, who has played professionally for Tulsa, uh-huh. uh, the Roughnecks. He also played for CD Fast in El Salvador, which is their largest team. Sure. I, I was watching some video, like 40,000 people in the stands. Yeah, he, you know, he played for the under-15 U.S. national team uh, mm-hmm. and knew a lot of the national players, I found out. But one of the things, and he played for Fredericksburg in in um, the NPSL for right. a year. And one of the things he said that he loved about Fredericksburg, and this is where I was kind of I was going to direct this to the training, is one of the things he said he loved, and he thought a lot of the guys that were in the NPSL that were college level or even above loved the NPSL, was the training they got in the league, not mm-hmm. just the matches, but the actual training uh, days that they would train really kept their skills sharp. Yeah, And is that something that – as motoric, I mean, I know you, you practice once a week, I think, or twice a week. I don't know. Is that something that may that may hinder you, but not having uh, the type of training sessions that, like, an NPSL club may have? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, 
up until now, it's it's been difficult for us to kind of retain our coaches. We've had a lot of turnaround. Uh, that's why recently I, I've sort of taken charge as what I call the Coachish. head. Coachish. <laughs> I saw that. No, that's good. I like it. <laughs> the head coach. But, I, I mean, I've been getting results from the guys, and, and they like the way that, that we train. The cicada um, up in the tree right here sounds like he likes it too. So. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. They. Uh, no, I mean – uh, this cup this coming season we'll have two training sessions a week and definitely it's it's contingent upon me to make sure that we make the most of those sessions that that is very uh productive um i mean also beyond development it's important for us because a lot of what's been lacking is we've had good individual efforts but we haven't developed enough chemistry as a squad so i'm hoping that we focus on that but yeah I mean, obviously, the MPSL clubs are going to have coaches with better pedigrees, sure, um, better backgrounds. But I think you can get. I mean, I know there are a lot of great coaches at at, at, at the Maryland majors. You know, you have Lauren Sancom, you have Carlos Tolentino, I think Tolentino at at Columbia. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get some good development at this level sure. too. So, no, I was just I was just curious if if. That you know, by providing that would keep players around longer. It sounds like you're already kind of stepping that up a bit. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, it, I, no doubt. Just, if you have, if you are dominating this level, you should move up. Right. I mean, you will get better quality coaching. You will be, get better quality competition. Um, but you know, you have to. So speaking of coaches, uh-huh. what's the current status of finding a coach? I know you obviously had some problems or keeping coach retention, I guess, or maybe frustration letting them go because they weren't doing what yeah. they were supposed to. Um, have you had any interviews recently or no, no nothing proactive. I, I'm, it's more me feeling comfortable in the role. Sure. Cause I feel like inevitably I should take the role since I'll be the only constant at the club. Right. Um, then I won't have to keep worrying about it. And I mean, I feel like the advantage I have over coaches that we've had in the past is that along with the performance of the club and the development of the players, I'm also, you know, because I interact with them so much, um, I'm more attuned to the morale of the squad. Um, I'm more into getting accountability from the guys, reliability from the guys, uh, loyalty, um, I, I manage the intangibles as much as I do the product on the pitch, and I think that might have been lacking from some of the past coaches that we've had. Right. So right. I just have to get more comfortable about walking the walk and talking the talk. I mean, I, I didn't come to the sport as a neophyte before I created Motoric. I've played since I was five years old. Sure. So it's been in my blood as as long as I've I can remember. Um, it's just getting especially because previously my posture with the players has kind of been the fun uncle. Right. Um, it's, but now you're like the big stepdad. Yeah. <laughs> now they got to get used to this pivot where I'm taking more of an authoritarian role. Right. So. Well, I guess, I mean, I think it work. It's kind of a neat story. I mean, yeah. Quite frankly, especially if, if, if the team gets better and you can and move them up to the division one. Um, the uh, do, are you looking at a certain style for Motorik to play uh, this season in terms of the players that you have? Do you think you can, you know, are you more a possession-based team, counterattack team? Uh, yeah, definitely. Know. I mean, before we've played more with a more defensive posture, but uh, our strength has always been our attack. So this year, I'm switching us to a four-four-two diamond wide. So I can have two number nines up top because I just feel like we've always performed better when we've been the one who've who've dictated the play. Uh, like I said, we're not really good at absorbing other teams' attacks. Once right, <coughs> once we like hunker down, it, you know they can pretty much do anything with us. So I'd I'd rather us try to keep the ball on their side of the pitch. Um, the few times I've implemented it since I've taken over. Uh, we've had a lot of success, and, and our anemic attack has really turned around. There was one match we played against the JA Raiders where I'd say like in the third minute we, they, we had a red card, so we were down 10 for most of the game, and usually that meant it was over for us. We were in for like a long day, but I kept us with an, with an aggressive attacking posture, and we actually ended up at halftime 3-2, to two, which was would 
kind of be unheard of for us in the yeah. past. So I'm pretty confident in in the um, tactics that I'll be applying, and and I think we have the quality attacking talent where they can get it done. That's awesome. That's good. Well, that, that hopefully will give you a big boost. Um, when you were doing your tryouts, uh, one thing I was curious about: Do you ever scout for players yourself? I mean, go out and watch maybe other teams that e either maybe are struggling, but and you can see they have a real dominant player out there who obviously frustrated that might want to come to a team like Modric that, that yeah. takes it more seriously. No, I, I don't. I mean, it's hard for me to really scout clubs because I have this ethos about poaching. Sure. So you know, if a player has a problem with his club, I'd rather him you Just, know work it out mm -hmm. than be kind of shadily sneaking Hey, come in. over here. Yeah, I got some candy yeah. for you as you well know, as a, a yeah. soccer team. So, <laughs> um, Especially because I have a, a decent rapport with a lot of the managers of clubs around here. Um, I don't know. Just that's my own personal preference. If in the offseason a player wants to jump ship and come to us, that's cool. But I, I've mostly scouted, like, you know, pick up games uh, up in PG County, um, rec leagues, stuff like that uh but i haven't really done too much extensive scouting it's mostly been word of mouth through our player pool right who bring who say this guy you should check him out or i got a friend that is certainly yeah. looking for a new team and yeah and i mean at the end of the day you hope the player would understand the quality of the level that we play at and bring us appropriate players sometimes I, i'm wondering why they're bringing <laughs> what they were thinking yeah exactly like <laughs> like this, this my summer cousin. my my whole and, uh, aim which i reiterated to the guys over and over again is we need to get older please more veteran experience you know because compared to the other clubs in the maryland majors i'd say our average age is about five years younger than the other ones i mean i, I talked to which could be a benefit right if they stay together and, and they it could be together. a benefit down the line yeah. but i personally don't want to sit here season after sure. season waiting for the guys to develop and just Hand keep racking him. up losses yeah. you know at some point, the results have to match the hype. So, yeah, development is great, but this isn't a developmental league. This is a league of men who have vast experience playing. And, you know, if you're like a young, snot-nosed kid coming on the pitch with guys who have mental fortitude, physical fortitude, the results are, are not going to be pretty. And, and that's been shown out in a lot of our results over the last two seasons. Um so yeah, ideally it's great, and I do. I have kept a core of young players that I feel have the potential to develop and at least, you know, look the part now and f look like they're sure. comfortable on the pitch, even though they still have to develop some of their technical abilities. Um, but ideally, we have old guys, and and this summer, you know, because we have a young player pool, they've basically brought in other young guys. I mean, we have gotten some old guys, but there were. There were two kids. Exper experienced guys. Yeah, experienced <laughs> guys. we got these old dudes that are on the team now. They, they play in the old Masters League. At a, well, uh, our, our <laughs> oldest is like 30, and he's vastly older than everybody sure. else. Um, but, yeah, there there were two kids at, at the training. I, I'd say they were maybe 14, 15, and, you know, that – that's not really going to fly. Sure. Unless you have a Christian Pulisic or something. But he's already been picked up by Well, actually, team. we have a Christian Rodriguez, <laughs> who is our 16-year-old goalkeeper, and he is lights out. Awesome. Um, at the recent Maryland Soccerplex tournament we were at, right. every coach came up to me and asked me, like, who is this kid? How old is he? Blah, blah, blah. So he's one of those... Did you give him a fake that, name and fake address nah, and yeah. they don't coach him <laughs> reach out to him? Yeah, that's the dilemma. It's like... <laughs> But no, I, I, obviously I want what's best for the players. So, you know, if 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 this is his opportunity, I mean, I honestly, there must be something seriously wrong with the scouting system in this country because I, I can't imagine why this kid is with us and not in the developmental academy. Right. Um, because he he's just amazing, and I don't even know if I should be saying this out loud. Well, be careful what you wish I really for. No, want to have him for at least one season so we can sure. get the hell out of Division Two. Well, that's cool. And then so. I saw you. You had your final cuts and mm -hmm. whatnot. So, um, how does your roster look now in terms of like experience? Like, what what type of experience do you have on the team at this point? And are there any players that you think are going to stand out this season that you want to mention? Or, yeah, I mean, there there's a bunch of guys who've stepped up over the course of this last season. I mean, the one thing that we don't lack at our club is commitment, and our guys especially this spring we've had great turnouts at training 
and they've really worked hard uh, to improve their game. And, you know, even now they have a season where they feel comfortable with this level because they've experienced it. So there are guys that have improved. Um, and then we brought in some new recruits that I played at the tournament um, this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I think that they'll make a significant contribution. Because basically the more tournament... More speed? Any more speed in the team, let's say? Um, or? Not so much speed, but just higher soccer IQs. Okay. Um, it, yeah, it, it, it's hard because we don't really physically test our guys. So it's more, you know, one guy might have certain speed in training, but in, in the match, uh, it's a whole different story. I mean, that's the other thing, too. You know, you, you the evaluation, to be complete, you have to see them in a match situation. I've had guys who are like rock stars in training and, you know, nutmegging and doing all these special moves, but you put them on a pitch and yeah. they look like deers in headlights. Without a doubt. Yeah. So they- I, I use the tra- the tournament to see, you know, who really belongs. Um, and then the one match against Arrington, I really used it as a full simulation of what we could expect in the Maryland Majors because I kept our substitutions to a minimum. I just played our best players. Um, I, I implemented my tactics, and we came out with a 2-2 draw, so that, that makes me very help, hopeful. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Because um, their their team is based – I think it's a lot of Howard's, Howard University players okay. and stuff like that. So that's a good – that's a, that's a tough challenge. It was a quality side to test ourselves against. So let's move on to talking about, I think, something that, that it's near and dear to your heart, and that's growing a fan base. Yeah. So you have, what, 2,200 followers or something? 2,000, some over, well over 2,000 something, followers yeah. uh, 2, on Twitter. Plus, yeah. Which is, that, that's nothing, that's no joke, nothing to laugh at. Right. But translating those followers, and I know they, of course, they live around the country, around the world. Around the world, yeah. I'd say like 25% of our following are from the UK. Oh, really? Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. That's Soccer Nation. Uh, But how do you, how do you plan to try to put seats, I mean, butts in the stands? (laughs) You know, is there, do you have any plan? Do you advertise, do you, more than Twitter, is there something that, that promotion that you'd like to get into? Yeah, I mean, that's something that we're definitely going to try to do more of, more outreach this year. I mean, you already have the obstacles where basically we're playing in the shadow of D.C. United. Sure. I mean, Audi Field is maybe, what, 15 minutes away across the river. Um, and then you have the, the new USL club here, our franchise here in Loudoun County. Um, so it's an uphill battle. I mean, even with volunteers, it's, you know, it's, there's so many soccer folks in this area volunteering for DC United or right. whatever. So it's hard to siphon that off as it is. Um, have, but, you, have you ever contacted some of the like DC United fan club members that might live around here or that, you know, and say, Hey, on your days off, or if you're not doing, we'd love to get your support or, you know, try yeah, to, yeah, I mean, I, I've, or, I've tried to build connection. I haven't been that like overt about like, Hey, like, <laughs> come on. Over. You know, I know everybody, they have, you have your franchise or right. you have your club and that's, you know, cause there's even uh Detroit city FC embassies here and mm-hmm. there's, Supporter clubs for Crystal Palace, Bayern, right. whatever. I mean, everybody's got their but their it does club. Seem, in my experience, it does seem like people have they they support clubs on different levels. So they have their yeah. Premier League or their Bundesliga club or their you know main club, and then they drop down. They have like a, 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 a an MLS club, for example. Yeah, and yeah. then they even have more local clubs. They because they're just soccer fanatics, obviously. Sure. And that's I think that's. I, I mean, if you're looking for a grassroots in. club, yeah, yeah, we we should be it. We. <laughs> I, um, but and it's also because all the responsibilities across the organization have fallen on me, and because um, you know what the competition on the pitch has been the most important thing, and the thing I've had to throw most of my effort into, I haven't had as much time to do the marketing, to do the outreach. So, so let me ask you this, and I think we may have talked about this at one point when I when I met you earlier on. Um, if you put if 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 you got a league together and well let, let me back up before I ask that um do other clubs in the Maryland majors for example that you've met do they seem 
to think there's a priority of trying to get fans in the stands, or do they just see like this is a great league for you know elite players, and you know, there's like a player coach on some of these teams that like he not only coaches but he's also the player so for him it's just a great level to play and keep his skills sharp and have fun no i mean i think i think every every club in the maryland majors you know they'd like to have a following um they'd like to have their players efforts showcased in front of a crowd i mean that can help in recruiting too there's nothing more motivating and inspiring for a team that has a yeah club um but again it's it's just finding the secret formula because basically you're having to sell something that really doesn't sell itself. Have you ever thought about approaching the league to try to have them push like their teams to bring more fans? Because to me, I would think, look, each player, mm-hmm. for their own interest as well as the club's interest, should be promoting the team. Yeah. Not just going you know, Sunday all the way through the next game. Well, you guys play mostly Sundays, I think. But let's say you play your game Sunday. The rest of the time you go off to your job, you practice, but you don't talk about it. It's like it's kind of like a rec team. It's like, oh, I have this, this team I play for, but that's yeah. it. Yeah. Shouldn't they be like saying, "Hey, you should come out to your games"? And probably, I mean, each one of these guys should be able to bring at least one friend, and that's twenty-two <laughs> people. And if both teams, that's forty people in the stands. It's more than zero. Or yeah, or, I, mean, I mean, I know I, you have some people that come, but I'm just getting at, you know, you get a few people coming, and there's, yeah, you know, your quality's good. I'm gonna give a promote. I'm, I'm promoting you right now in terms of I've seen some. I've seen you guys play. Mm-hmm. I've seen the Maryland majors. I've seen the WPL too. I mean, right. and it's a good quality of of play. And if if it was let's say dropped in the middle of Audi Field, and there was and there was a thousand people out he feels watching this. Most people would say this is pretty good. Like yeah, if no, they had, I mean, the quality is is good. I, I I'm excited watching every match that I watch. I mean, even before I started the club, when when I was scouting out the Washington Premier League, and I think I saw a lot of Yin's United matches in particular. And I mean, these were very very exciting matches. I right. mean, obviously you didn't have the spectacle around it to sweep you up right, exactly. into the moment. You didn't have the screaming fans, but like you said, you know, if you transferred what I saw on that pitch into Audi Field and put the spectacle around it, it would be just as exciting. I mean, these guys, they they fight hard on match day. They play hard, and, and they have exceptional talent, and, and the competition is very close and exciting to the very end in most cases. Right. Wait, exactly, and it, it is it, they're good quality games, and mm-hmm. um, but I, yeah, I I know, mean we, there are clubs we've played where obviously their community has come out to see them, um, you know, family members, friends, but I always joke somehow we've assembled a squad at Motorik that's just full of uh, orphan hermits. Sure, and that's know? what makes you guys unique and actually endearing. <laughs> I think is because it's a team that's that sort of. You know, molded out of nothing. Yeah, it's come together and has formed something, and you know, is is respectable at this point. You know, I think right. you have a respectable club. Yeah, you, you have a, a lot of support, especially on Twitter. But I think you got a lot of support from the other teams. Um, and no, you, but I, I I would like the players to make more. If you are listening out there, players, <laughs> I would like you to make more of an effort to help promote the club. I mean, I I, I put them in charge of our Instagram. You know, I'm the old fogey who runs the Twitter because it's for our old folks. Sure. Um, but there is, uh, we do have a player Instagram. I have no idea how they're using it or if they're using it effectively. I, I can't imagine. <laughs> um, you don't ever take a sneak peek at it. Yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if if our players, if every one of them just sold one kit, one jersey, one scarf, you know, got one person to our match, that would make a huge difference. Because at this level, every little thing, every little gesture of support, whether it's coming to the match. Or buying the merchandise makes a huge right. difference. Because sometimes these things take on a a, a, a thing of their own. They, they grow on their own. So if 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 uh, a life of their own, is what I was looking for, um, you know, you, you show up at a, you know somebody walking by, would say who likes soccer, but sees a gang and kind of stops. But there's there's you know hundred people in the stands cheering. You suddenly take a more of interest. Well, what is this league? What's going on? Why are these people cheering? Yeah, exactly. and, and I do remember one time. Not far from me, over at Lee District Center, I believe, uh, we had stopped for some reason, and I got out of the car, and there was uh, probably a Bolivian league, I would bet, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really paying attention. Also, heard this uproar of of you know cheering. I looked over, and there was probably five hundred to a thousand people surrounding just a regular field. There were no stands surrounding yeah. this field, but it was probably two or three people deep 
clearly watching this game, and it was I kind of I, I wanted over. It was pretty exciting, and then obviously good quality play and whatnot. Yeah. And it makes you want to you know go back for more if it if it's that good. That's what I'm kind of getting at is is yeah. getting that little is growing that base and trying to figure out a way to do it. Have you ever thought about? Uh, approaching the Maryland majors or the WPL, if you ever go that direction, and trying to professionalize the league a bit more. In other words, you know, have certain standards for the teams. You obviously standards and things like they cost money. You know, playing the national anthem, things like that. But but at least when you show up, people show up either with the uniforms on, and they you have like a regimented practice for it. So people that are coming to watch the game. They don't see a bunch of players just sort of sitting around on the bench. Half of them kind of kick the ball around. A few of them just talking, you know, kind of waiting to get going. It's like a this is a real match that's starting. This isn't sort of a rec league, for yeah. example. Have you ever thought about, like, approaching Maryland Majors or one of those teams or one of those leagues? Um, or, or no, WPL? I mean, I haven't personally, but it, it would be nice if, you know, more clubs in the league would, would do outreach. Um, I mean, when it, whatever clubs there are, like on Twitter, social media, I try to help promote them through retweeting their posts. Um, I think it would probably be beneficial if, and this includes Motoric FC, if we would stream more of our matches. Sure. Um, because I feel like there is an audience that wants to see that. Well, your, your English audience would probably watch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so there are things to do. But again, you know, managing a club at this level, it's easy to say, should do this, should do that, sure. should do the other. But there's only so much time, uh, yeah. especially with limited amount of resources. Right. Well, so I get that. I at get the that. end of the day, it, honestly, it, it'll take the initiative of individual volunteers from the community. I don't think there's any club you could point to across the United States that's prominent that wasn't made that way by individuals outside of the club. Right. I mean, you had the Butcher Brothers in Detroit. You got Galen Riley in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. These were not just created by the club. Right. These were people who took initiative to build communities of their own attached to the club. Um, and, you know, we, we haven't really found but that that's yet. What you're, that's, what you're, that's what you're seeking. Yeah, you're, but that's why I make a right. lot of noise, as much noise as I can, because I'm hoping at some point we capture the imagination of one of these individuals and, and they help us. Because me, I'm, I'm freaking swamped. <laughs> no, I understand. Is let me ask you this: Is there anything that you've learned since starting Motoric that that you wish you could have started or done differently from the beginning? Um, just spend more intelligently. I I think early on I was a lot more extravagant. Um. Uh. In what way? In terms of would you spend money on that you think you could have well, either done it differently? We had basically three scars before we even kicked off. Our first league match, that might have been over the top. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, just that or, you know, with the traveling. Um, uh, with I think early and early on I was more under the impression that maybe we could try to have admission for our matches. So I went more uh, when I was dealing with the, the county. It was more as like a commercial event quote unquote right right so i was basically like if we had set up a friendly it would cost me three hundred dollars whereas now i've kind of given up that ghost so now it costs us 50 bucks to get a facility for a match right so just yeah spending smarter not being so extravagant in that sense just kind of focusing on the necessities the essentials the league fees the kits you know stuff like that so jumping to the NPSL for a second. Uh-huh. So you had earlier on mentioned that's something you'd wanted to do. And I think I even saw a tweet or maybe I spoke to you. You said something you would consider. Yeah. Um, do you think have, are, is there, are there any more thoughts that you have regarding joining the NPSL? Is it something you would consider doing at some point to see if obviously it costs more money. Yeah. But see if that doesn't kickstart the team's fan base a bit more because they do bring a certain cachet. You yeah. Know, I mean, I, I never like to make assumptions. Because uh, you're always, especially in lower division football, you're always very sadly disappointed when you assume any sort of success. Um, but, yeah, I mean, even beyond that, I, I know it would help us recruit a higher quality uh, level of players. Right. Um, because, you know, we have a lot of good NCAA programs in this area. I don't, I don't know if I'd necessarily want to play summer 
football. I mean, right. I like the idea of us playing in the fall and spring. I, I wish all the leagues would move. Well, I know NPSL's even talked, at least I saw some, I think, discussion about them trying to figure out a way to, to do a more pro- professional season, so yeah. to speak. But obviously then their college players, which is what they're mostly based on, would, would have a big issue. Right. But there are a lot of players that, that just finished college who didn't get drafted in the pros that you could probably make a team with that, sure. that could be very competitive, obviously. If you- yeah, I mean, that's, that's up to them to work out. I mean, actually, I don't know. It seems right now there's a, a bit of chaos going on with their league. Yeah. Uh, with the Founders Cup and well, all that. Well, yeah, so, yeah. Well, the Pro League, I guess. Yeah, I so, and I, but I don't know how that would affect the their summer league. So I guess sure. before even considering that, you'd have to see how the the dust settles. Right. So, But, yeah, it would, be, it would probably be advantageous. Although, you know, I've talked to a number of NPSL owners, you know, teams, clubs that we've played friendlies against, and – the the picture isn't necessarily rosy for them. Sure. I mean, and I do think, I know I did some research on NPSL a couple times, and the average team lasts about two years. Yeah. And there are some, that was Detroit, Chattanooga, um, I'm going to, what's uh, the um, uh, the guy out of New York who, who made a big splash, um, why can't it, Stockade, Kingston Stockade. Dennis Crowley. Dennis Crowley, yes. Yeah. You know, obviously he's been around now for, for a couple of years, four right. or five years. Uh, and there are some teams that have done pretty well, but but the average team kind of comes and goes. Including, yeah. I feel like when I started following the NPSL, <laughs> you know, Fredericksburg had a team; they're gone. I don't know. I think Williamsburg. It was uh, what FC seventeen yeah, eighty nine or something. Legacy legacy 76. yeah seventy six yeah. yeah legacy seventy six. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're around anymore. No, they're not. So yeah, team and come and go because they they can't really get a sustainable fan base, which I know is a big deal because you know obviously they they want the professional sort of quality of of a, of a stadium and locker rooms and all the things that would go with a professional team right. with, but you don't necessarily have the funding or support to kind of keep that 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 yeah budget plus going. like you know some some of these areas even with the youth organizations it's very competitive and if you move in with an npsl club there there might be the assumption that you're going to be building an academy down from that right and so it's not necessary that you'll be completely embraced by the local community. I mean, I've heard complaints like that, too. There's a lot of just rival infighting and competitiveness. And I mean, me, I prefer I think we all succeed if we all cooperate. Um, but there's a lot of that. And I think, though, if if we did it here in Alexandria, we might have more of an advantage because this is a more urban area. Sure. I mean, I you mean, have a big population in the Fairfax County, Alexandria. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's, it's plenty big enough to support DC United as well as a as an NPSL club that might get a thousand people for a game, sure. which is a, which is a reasonable number. And if I mean, had, right right down the street, we have the mixing bowl. Right. So this area is very accessible from every area around the Beltway. Right. As opposed to like the Loudoun County boonies. Or going down past Prince William County. And for those of you not familiar with this area who might be listening from outside the area, <laughs> the mixing bowl is, is basically hell on wheels when it comes to commuting and a nightmare. It's where you know, three or four major highways all connect, yeah. and uh, it becomes a nightmare through rush hour. I think it's 95, hour. 395, 495, yeah. and maybe some 66. Yeah, and some all smaller roads coming in. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's not a pleasant uh, it's not pleasant, but it's like it. but, all roads lead to Alexandria. Right. Yeah, and Alexandria has a, a unique culture, right. and you know, it is a city, sure, um, which which makes it a little, you know, I don't more organic and wholesome. Not like a county, I think, which which tends to be. Well, is there a city square and things like yeah. that? Yeah, and I mean, and it's around. a it's a diverse cosmopolitan yes. county. So, and you have a lot of people who come here from football crazy nations. Um, it's a blue area, so. The general demographics match our ideologies and our ethos. Um, <laughs> they like soccer. Yeah, we have to say. And uh, this, I mean, this would be a good place to do it. It's just uh, it would depend on me having that kind of fine. I mean, I, I guess I would have to reach out to partners, um, build a board. Obviously, I, I sure as hell couldn't do it by myself. But I'd be more than happy to entertain anyone who might want to reach out to me who wants to do that. So let's jump, let's jump bigger picture, uh, if you don't mind. And, and I, you have, I thought you had some thoughts on the soccer pyramid or the, or lack thereof and some, at least the pro rel. Yeah. Um, 
I, I know you're very much for a pro ball system in the United States. Sure. Uh, it would certainly benefit Motorik and, and teams like Motorik and the NPSL. Mm-hmm. That if you build a club, you could move up and start to I mean, get it, more it, money. It, no, I should correct you. It would not necessarily benefit a club like Motorik, but it would put Motorik in a better position if we did everything correctly ourselves. Sure. Um, it's not a, a panacea. No, I get that. It doesn't benefit, but it gives you something to shoot for. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right. That's yeah, really. yeah, yeah. So you admit? I mean, do you have any thoughts on how how would you implement it, or do you have have you ever looked into that? If you had, if you were king of of U.S. soccer, <laughs> right, so to speak, or the uh-huh. head of it, the CEO, uh, how would you implement it? Oh God, have man. you ever thought about it? Or, I mean, I used to think about it, but those thoughts have been kind of pushed out with all the thoughts of running Motorik. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. I mean, I've heard a lot of people talk about different ways, and some people say it's impossible because there's too much money involved in in you know the current professional. Well, I mean, soccer that's not a consideration. That's that's an MLS consideration. Right. That's for their own corporation to worry about. That shouldn't be the concern of the governing body of American soccer. Um, yeah, basically, it would just be jettisoning the. Ex- well, I, I don't know. Let somebody else figure that shit out. <laughs> okay. Man. All right. I mean, I yes, I want it to happen, but uh, I'm sure there are better minds than me who've gone over this issue and have the perfect structure set up. For me, it's just basically, I, and and yeah, it's hard because, like you say, there are so many interests that have already entrenched themselves. Then you so you have to deal with the complexities of that. Um, in a perfect world, this shit would never have been built this way. Right. And basically, you would just have the federation set up levels that are just glorified strip malls where clubs can perform and compete. And if they can't make it at that level, they go down to another level that's more right, appropriate right. for them. That's- you know, and but also, I mean, for me, I just feel like it's it's essential because you want the economy of football to flow to all levels. Right. You know, right now it's kind of not getting below certain levels and. Whereas in other nations, their federations make a concerted effort to make sure money gets down to every level and that there's sustainability and, and healthy clubs at all levels. Sure. And I think it, I, I read or I heard somewhere that, that the U.S. and the U.S. Soccer Federation is technically breaking the regulations of FIFA by not having pro rel in the country. What is it? One of two. The, in order to host the World Cup and do some things they're doing, it, in the mandate says you have to have pro rel in, yeah. your, in your country. And, and, I mean, it's stupid because, well, I guess here in this country we have more of the concept of regional support. Um, but I, I don't know if people are really want to travel two hours to see an MLS game. Um, so I, I just have this romantic notion that it would be better if every single community in this country could be excited about their football club and about the prospects of their football club playing at the highest level. I, I mean, we – we talk about markets and which markets are best for the professional game. Mm-hmm. But then so many other markets that aren't even in consideration show that they have the formula for success. Right. And, and I don't, I don't think that should be a consideration. It should just be whoever's club is run the best and competes the best and, and get the fan base and get, yeah. And right. I mean, it does, base. it does have to do with a fan base and, and prov- receiving money from the fans in order to keep your club running as well as an endorsements because people want to advertise for the fans. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's, 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 and, a, I, and I don't think clubs should be punished for their success either where suddenly, Oh, you know, you're successful in Chattanooga or you're successful in Nashville. And then suddenly the vultures, Come swooping, sure, swooping in. in and yeah, you know you've done all the groundwork, um, but now let's let the billionaires take over. Have you? I, I just saw the NISA, uh-huh. the National Independent Soccer Association, which was originally formed by what Peter Wilt or Wilt. I'm not sure if it's yeah. a, with a hard V or hard W, like a German. But anyway, that they're getting ready to take off uh, mm-hmm. in September, I believe, and that's uh, that's an interesting option for someone like Motorik to to shoot for because obviously it's professional and they're uh they're trying to promote clubs in a more professional you know pro rel yeah. system yeah i mean it's small and they're just starting off right uh, you have any any thoughts on that or i haven't really looked at it too much because you're so focused on Motorik. <laughs> i just want to get to the damn first division of the maryland majors right no, now I, I got it. no but uh, yeah all those things are a consideration and hopefully if we have more success on the pitch we can attract more people who want to invest in the club 
because at the end of the day, it's all about money. Right. It's all about what you can afford to do. Um, and, and then we'll see. But I definitely, the way I run Motoric, it's geared towards sustainability and it's geared towards not trying to reach a bridge too far. Um, I try to be very realistic about where we are at this moment and what we can afford to do at this moment. And anyway, honestly, I, I freaking love playing in the Maryland Major Second Division. Sure. For me, it's 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 my burning ambition to get us promotion. And honestly, big, that's big accomplishment. That's like all I'm obsessed with right now. I don't give a shit about these <laughs> other leagues. Uh, whatever you do your thing i got i got work to do all right well well let me ask you so back to the maryland majors in the upcoming season so you have um several friendlies coming up to get pre- prepared yeah for the, we have for the league. A, who are you playing well our our preseason training starts on august 1st um the county hooked us up with mount vernon high school okay you know that? yeah, right yeah. Mount vernon. Mm-hmm. and then uh I mean, the way I wanted to structure it was start with a bit easier competition, and then as our players build their chemistry and build their confidence, work up to harder competition. But we're basically going to be thrown straight in the deep end um, because August 4th we play Yins United. Ah, yes. They are, didn't they win it? They or no, did, no they, they were I, second. I, think, I, I thought WPL. they had, but actually they were semifinals of oh, okay. the Washington Premier League. But I believe. They were finalists of the USASA Region One okay. amateur. I mean, either way, they're, they're a team. powerhouse, yeah. tough team. Yeah, they're they're really good experience. It's it's intimidating, See but the, the new some of the new players coming in will make a difference or can can handle it. I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, we, I, I kind of cut the guys who didn't really seem as comfortable. So I feel like the guys we'll be putting out against them, well, at least, you know, feel like they have a fighting chance. Cool. And then who else? So you got Yins and we got Yins United. We have um, Districtonia, uh, CF Districtonia, I believe. And where are they from? They they're a DC club. Okay. They play in the district sports okay. league. I think it is. Okay. Um, then we also have a new club that that we've just connected with, Fredericksburg City United. Okay. Who play in the CSL. What exactly is the CSL? I was going to ask you one point. There seem to be so many elite soccer leagues. I mean, tons that are similar to, let's say, WPL, uh, the, the the Maryland Majors. Like ooh, the NESL, the Northeast Soccer League. Is that a league? I just saw this suddenly. It's, I, I didn't it's really research it. It's kind of a it. Champions League for Region One. Okay. The NESL. Okay. Um, I but, think like basically the top clubs from all the leagues: Cosmopolitan okay. Soccer League, um, the U. What is it? The USLPA. Okay. Um, just all all the leagues across the northeastern megalopolis. Are there too many elite leagues? Should they try to combine? No, no, or, no. Or they're not, not enough. No, I mean honestly, I, you know, it's an aberration that we're a Virginia club playing in Maryland. I wish they would create some more elite amateur leagues. Isn't the, but it, couldn't you have like have what? Isn't there a Northern Virginia Soccer League and they have like the high Division One? Couldn't they just sort of make that quote an elite league and start trying to track maybe teams from the OPL or whatever? I don't know how the sanctioning works with the USASA. I, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't like, I, I know a, a league like the the Bay State Soccer League. Mm-hmm. Technically, they've never been sanctioned as an elite amateur league, but I think everybody understands the clubs that they have playing in their league. They are, are. okay. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. I mean, I think it's, yeah. a, it's a term, I guess, that we're using, you know, elite soccer league, but it can be sort of some – well, they're sanctioning, I right. guess, but you could also use it loosely to describe some of these other leagues that have top-tier teams and, and some of the, a lot of players on are former college players that are playing, you know, to keep their skills sharp or just for fun, yeah. but could probably play a fairly competitive game against some of the teams that are in the elite soccer leagues. You know, so you – Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's good to have too many overlapping – Right. Um, elite amateur leagues. Like in regions. Too many leagues that are in the same area. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, it's perfect. You have the Maryland Majors, which is generally more focused in Baltimore. Right. We're, we're kind of extending them a bit further south. Then you got the Washington Premier League, which is more of a Northern Virginia League. Yeah, so. So they're, yeah. they're in close proximity, but they don't really overlap too much. Yeah. But there are other areas. I mean, the whole freaking state of West Virginia. Yeah. 
they deserve something. You got these folks that do they play a lot of soccer out there? No, they, yes, that's <laughs> kidding. The I'm joking. No, it's it's their their state association. It just fails them. Yes, you, I mean Chris Kessel, one of the leading lights of lower division football. He's in West Virginia. Um, you know, you got Chemical Valley, you got Morgantown. These these clubs deserve a platform to perform at a higher level, sure. uh, which they're not getting. And you know, even the D.C. Virginia association there's no elite amateur league there that's why we are associated with maryland so there's a lot of pockets in region one that still you know i i think the the northeast beyond uh massachusetts north of massachusetts what's going on there? right right so but it's up to initiative from the leaders of of usasa and and the state associations to care i, I don't know how much they care especially um adult football right I, you know they right. i know they care about the kitty clubs and all that crap but i don't know how much they care about having competitions at, at our level okay and our age group we, we kind of get sidetracked on from the from your sort of preseason to on just talking about leagues right. are there any other teams that you're oh yeah, that yeah. You're meeting um, up with oh yeah uh, well then towards the end of august we get another baptism by fire playing steel pulse oh yes who just won the maryland majors i mean it, it was amazing they got promoted one season then they won the next. That's a great story. Um, we've played them before, and they're very friendly folks at that club, so I'm happy to connect with That's them cool. anytime. Where are you guys playing that, that game? Do you know? Um, well, I'm hoping it's here because it's, it's kind of a trek up there. They they came to us last time, but uh, I don't think we've gotten the specific venue yet. Okay. And um, I'm probably and forgetting something. Aren't somebody. you playing tomorrow in Richmond? Loco? Oh, yeah. The, then September yeah. 1st. So, okay, August 4th, we got Yinge United. August 11th, we got Districtonia. Uh, August 18th, I believe, is when we have um, Fredericksburg City. August 25th is Steel Pulse. And then September 1st is Loco FC. And we'll probably go down to Richmond um, for to that play one? them, yeah, because okay. they came up here last year. Last no, year. we haven't played them yet. No, well, that, oh, okay. I thought you we, played them last. No, we we've season. we've always. I mean, we've been acquainted for a while, and we've had a lot of back and forth, but we've never. I you might be thinking of an, a Northern Neck. Maybe that's who it was. Yeah, that's the one I came out with chatting with you at one point in the sideline. Yeah, we've okay. we've played against them a couple times. They've come up from uh, Montrose, and we had our famous mud bowl against them <laughs> down there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> when nice. I had just bought our. Our beautiful, pristine white kits that went to crap uh, in 90 minutes. Wow. Well, that, well, she shows you guys we're, we're serious. Yeah. You're going to get dirty. And stupid. But, yeah, <laughs> serious. Um, well, so is there anything else you want peop- the people listening to this to know about Motorik that I haven't covered? or? No, I mean, just the local people come, join our community, help us grow, help help us generate media. Um I mean, that's my, you know, we have... How could they contact you if they if they want to reach out and, and say they want to volunteer to help? You can always DM us at Twitter, or you can email me at tebow at motoricfc.com, or you can always come out to one of our training sessions through August. We're going to be at M- Mount Vernon High School Tuesdays and Thursdays from 9 to 11. Um, I'm pretty friendly, so... <laughs> Just come chat me up. And he is very friendly and easy to talk to. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if you if you just get involved, do something, or do your own damn club, but just do something. Okay. All right. Well, Kenny, I wish you success uh, you in this much. upcoming season. I will certainly come make a game or two. Sure. Uh, cheer you on. I'll try to bring somebody with me so there's at least a couple more people in the stands. But That would be great. But would love to see you guys play, do well, and get promoted. That does it for our conversation with Kenneth Tebow, the CEO and founder of Motoric FC. If you're in the area or if you're traveling to this area, I encourage you to check out one of their games uh, this fall in the Maryland Majors. You can find the schedule on the Maryland Majors website or check out any of the other teams and matches playing in the Maryland Majors as well as the WPL, both quality leagues with quality football. And again, this is... Uh, Touch the Buffalo you're listening to. I want to give a shout-out to those guys and check them out if you're in the area as well. And I will let you listen to the rest of their song without interruption. Again, this is Hardest Four by Touch the Buffalo.
Sorry. That's right.